This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Bolivinaka and welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and as always I'm joined by my lovely co-host Dean Halitau. Fakalofalahiatu everyone and welcome to the show. Sarah, it's great to have you back. We've, we've missed you the last two weeks. Kennedy did a great job of filling in but uh, it's good to have you back here in the studio with us. It feels really good to be back in the studio. Making the trip back into the studio was quite nice. I have been on the road for the past two weeks so to be able to get back uh, into reality has definitely been a transition but can you complain when you get a job like this? No, not, not really. Of course not. <laughs> Who'd listen anyway? What's been happening in your world, Hollers? Uh, last week I took the family out to Vivid. So Vivid's happening in Sydney. Obviously there's lights and stuff and plenty of um, food stalls and all that. We got on the train, caught the train in and we, we went in with another family. So there was like 11 of us all together, seven of which, which were kids. How was that? It was torture. Like just... <laughs> We're on the train and it's like you're packed in the train and shoulder to shoulder. And, and my, my little father, Louis, he's, he's four years old, so I'm stressing about him the whole time. And he's just like, oh, I'm on a train. There's people everywhere. I just want to go see things. And, you know, you've got to be really careful, obviously, keep him as close as you can. And then I ended up just carrying him on my shoulders the whole time we're in, the, in Vivid because he was just – I was just worried he was just going to run off. Oh, uh, good so luck, Dad. a very sore neck by the end of the night, but it was um, – From was, carrying your family, literally. Yeah. <laughs> But it was fun. Now, tell us about camp. How was camp? Yeah, camp was hectic. I, I think I just said I was there for two weeks. I actually was on the road for just over three weeks. Um, but we started in the Gold Coast, went over to Auckland, headed down to Tauranga, back to South Auckland, up to Whangarei, and then back to Auckland. So it was a hectic few weeks on the road. Um, just like the life on tour, right, is you get it, – it's so regimented, right? Like you know exactly what you're doing. You've got a schedule that comes out the night before. So your day is dictated for you. What I've struggled with coming back is trying to find my routine again. And to be fair, like I feel really, really flat. Um, I wouldn't say demotivated. I'm just like tired. Yeah. I'm tired post-tour. Uh, but the experience of being back in the Australian fold after two years of – no test matches due to COVID. It was quite special to be back there. And the, the squad has changed so much, but I think we are heading in the right direction. And we will dig into results a little bit later. But all in all, very happy um, with, um, I guess, my experience there. There's definitely some heartbreak missing out on selections, but it's a long road of rugby. And um, I truly believe the best is still yet to come. Very well said and well done on, on being there on, on the tour anyway and looking forward to the World Cup at the end of the year. Now we've got plenty coming up in the next hour. We've got to look back at the weekend in sport. We've got some interviews with Taniela Tupo and a celebrity, the second celebrity in your house, I would say. The second best name, Gama. Hey, Kevin. And then we've got a new question for, of course, you can ask that. The top story for this week... Lauren Jackson, who is a basketball great, uh, probably the best basketballer that Australia's ever seen. She retired a few years ago. What's she doing now? Yes, Lauren Jackson did retire nine years ago, but this week she has been announced as part of the Opal squad, which sees her come out of retirement. This is huge news. that uh, She's 41 years of age, first of all, and she's been retired, as you said, for nine years. So to return to elite level, like international level basketball after nine years out, she's been playing at uh, Aubrey Wodonga. Um, so she's, she's got basketball uh, underneath her, but um, to, to go climb up to an international standard is huge. Yeah, it's huge. And she comes in with a lot of experience. She has made a name for herself and off the court, she's certainly made a name for herself as well, being able to advocate for the game. But it also is 
immense for the game of basketball. I think here in Australia, there's been a lot of, I guess, movement in the past um, six months or so with things happening with Cambridge and all that stuff. So I think to be able to turn that narrative around and have someone like Lauren Jackson come back into the fold, it refocuses the attention on something worthwhile. We'll look forward to World Cup and tracking uh, how Lauren goes. Now, is there anyone that you'd love to see come into retirement in rugby, say in rugby or in any other sport? In rugby? Ooh. I want to say the person you said yesterday, <laughs> but it's not in rugby. It's in a different sport. Who did I say yesterday? You said oh, Ash Barty. Ash Barty, yes, yeah. That yeah. was a good one. I haven't, I do, I really think It'd be a short it. retirement if she come back out. <laughs> she's already done that once, right? She's, oh, she's had time out before and then, yeah. You could say it was a sabbatical. Yeah, sabbatical. That's the word. Um, no, no one really comes to mind. I'd like to see Michael Morgan because I think he retired early. He had like, some injuries from the Cowboys, had, had some injuries, but um, he was a talent. I thought he retired too early, but anyway. Actually, I do have someone. Her name is Alex Hargraves. I used to play rugby with her. She played for the Wallaroos, played Sydney Uni, and she's now residing in Queensland. She's just one of the toughest, toughest rugby players I've ever experienced. She certainly inserted the fear of God in me when I was playing um, alongside her, like, what, 18 years old? And, yeah, I don't think I've experienced someone like her since. Okay, that's a good one. Now, the Pacific Mini Games uh, kicked off last week, and it's been a, a pretty good outing for the Papua New Guinea national team. Yes, PNG have been doing incredibly well. They have tallied so far 19 gold medals, 11 silver, and 7 bronze. They're collecting all the silverware, goldware, bronzeware. <laughs> <laughs> all the, all the coloured medals that, uh, that come with the Olympics. Yeah, it's, a, it's an impressive um, outing from Papua New Guinea. We heard from Papua New Guinea's chief Mission uh, last week on the show, and uh, he was very positive about the um, the upcoming mini games then, and uh, it shows that they, they've put some good work in and uh, they're doing quite well. I do want to make mention of Dika Tola from Papua New Guinea. She won gold in women's weightlifting. She's 37 years old. She's still competitive as hell and almost no shock to us that she has done this because we have interviewed her before um, on our other ABC show, That Pacific Sports Show. Yes, she's, uh, she's quite an athlete and, as you say, continuing to perform well at the highest level, picking up a gold, uh, one of the most experienced athletes that I'd say the PNG squad has. So well done, Adikatoa. Now, crossing over to Super Rugby, the Super Rugby Pacific Grand Final took place on the weekend, and this was um, a pretty big clash. The Crusaders going into their 16th Super Rugby Final against the Blues, who have a stacked side. Like they, they've got like the the superstar side, I would say, for this year's competition. Uh, and it was uh, probably not the result that everyone expected. Oh, actually, I beg to differ. I think everyone was backing the Crusaders. Okay. That being said, the Crusaders defeated the Blues 21-7. Now, the Blues throughout the majority of the Super Rugby Pacific competition were topping the table, so everyone was kind of thinking, okay, they could probably do it. But as we know, and the tale of the Crusaders is they are so experienced they know how to close out games and essentially what it came down to was a battle of the tens and to Mwanga's favour, his boots worked and it was enough for them to win the game. He's so solid, isn't he? When he like when he's on with his boot, when he kicks well, um, he, he's got the ball in it. He's like got great skill, great speed, sets up a lot of tries and that, but when he's kicking and he's on, he just looks calm. Yes, he does. And I mean, he really did work to the Crusaders' favour because they did have about, dare I say, 60% possession. Um, Sam Whitlock was able to steal a couple of lineouts, which set piece, particularly in games like that, where you know it's going to be tight, really becomes your weapon. So for them to be able to put on a, a spectacle of rugby like that was was awesome. And I, I think everyone believed that the Crusaders could do it. And 
once again, they did it. Well done. The Crusaders now, the Pacific Four Series, which you're a part of, wrapped up as well last weekend over in New Zealand. Uh, talk us through some of the results there, Sarah. Yes, the Pacific Four Series took place in New Zealand. It was a tournament that included four countries, Australia, Canada, New Zealand and the US. The last round of it was the Rollers up against Canada. Um, unfortunately, we fell short 22 to 10 and the Black Ferns were put on a masterclass and defeated USA 50-6. to six. Yeah, some, uh, A big result there for the, the Black Ferns. Now, you, you mentioned before about building up to the World Cup and heading in the right direction. I know you took the loss against, uh, against Canada, but the signs are there for some, uh, some quality rugby ahead at the end of the year. Yeah, it is. And something we recognise as a group is that we haven't quite put together an 80-minute performance against the Black Ferns. We were leading at halftime, which meant that everyone was talking about how strong the Wallaroos were in the first 40. And then we come against the US and we lost by two points and everyone's like, oh, you know, their second half is a lot better. Then we come up against Canada and our first half was better than our second half. So for us, it's about how we can string together 80 minutes of play. But what we have shown ourselves is that we can compete with world-class teams. We're there. We just have to to tighten up on, on some things and hopefully um, when we get our next opportunity in August in the Laurie O'Reilly series, we'll be able to see some of that come to fruition. Well, like you said earlier as well, you haven't had a lot of football, uh, test football that is for for a couple of years. So um, more opportunities to play, more time together as a group, no doubt your performances will start to get better and better. Absolutely. Turning our attention now to the NRL, we hit round 15 and some uh, interesting results. Yeah, there were some some interesting results. The first one I'll talk about is Manly took on the Cowboys at home. Manly haven't been beaten at home this year at Brookvale and the Cowboys we know are having a great season under Todd Payton. It was a pretty back and forth match. Heaps of kicks, tries off kicks or um, opportunities created off kicks from both teams. So it was like, it was good a good aerial type battle between mm-hmm. the, the halves that were kicking and, and the, the guys that were chasing through to receive. Manly were leading 26-12 with only seven minutes to go and the Cowboys run them down to win 28-26. to So huge performance from the Cowboys, especially away from home, especially at Brookvale, which is a pretty difficult place to go. Val Holmes scored two tries and the last one being this that sealed the victory. Manly Oringa scrum, 28 from the Cowboys line. Comes right hand side for Chapman. It's been run down, lost it in the tackle here by Drinkwater. Picked up by Val Holmes, out in open space, slips away from one, over halfway. Chasing him is four and won't pull him in. Val Holmes will go the length of Bookville able to score. Gets back on the inside oh. and scores here for the Cowboys. And North Queensland are back in front. I do not believe what I'm seeing. There was a Manly scrum. Val Holmes intercepted a loose pass from Manly and ran 85 metres to score. 85 metres. Yes. Roll around the gas after 15. Well done. <laughs> Val Holmes, he had a really good game. He scored two tries, as I said, and he is in a, a bit of a purple patch at the moment. I think he's playing really well in the centres. Jeremiah Nanai had another huge game for the Cowboys. He's just so creative, so powerful. Uh, Murray Talangi, who we've had on the show before, continues to play well, has been rewarded with a, an origin start um, this weekend. So it was a, a really strong performance by the Cowboys. Now, the Eels on Saturday night, they took on the Roosters. The score was 26-16 to 16 to the Eels at home. Really strong. Strong performance in the first half. Second half, they didn't score a try. It was really tight back and forth sort of um, grinding match in the second half, but it was all set up for the Eels in the first 40. Isaiah Papali'i is having another strong season. He's been great in the blue and gold since he's, since he's arrived, and he picked up a try. Um, he just steamrolled them, as we'll hear from Glenn Lauder. Ryan Madison gets the flick pass offload away to Marnie. 
keeping it alive for Moses. Moses back on the inside for Isaiah Papali'i. He goes straight through James Tedesco. He goes straight through Sam Verrills. He goes straight over the goal line and scores the try. There is absolutely no stopping Isaiah Papali'i there. What a run. His 20th try in his 102nd NRL game. I love the enthusiasm in that call. Yeah. Good He's call, running man. straight. He's running over. I love it. <laughs> he played out exactly like that. Like Isaiah had a really strong game. Um, he worked himself to a standstill, actually, and he's been rewarded with a, a Kiwi jersey this weekend. So look forward Does to seeing mean? how he goes. Dylan Brown, another Eels player that's uh, picked up a, a, a Kiwi's Guernsey. So he'll go good. It's a pretty strong side. Tonga against New Zealand is going to be massive this weekend. It's going to be a great game on Saturday. Now, the last match of the weekend, the Bulldogs took on the Tigers. This happened not too long ago. It's a, a return match between these two. This time, the Bulldogs getting the better of the Tigers, 36-12. to 12. And this is the first time that the Dogs have won back-to-back in 59 matches. So um, it's pretty impressive for them in, in an albeit pretty uh, ordinary season. They've turned things around uh, the last sort of three weeks or so. It's no secret that the Bulldogs have struggled, but to be able to win back-to-back matches will give them great confidence and hopefully be the start of something fresh. It is the start of something fresh for the Bulldogs. Support Tigers, my, my other old club, they, uh, they're they struggling. <laughs> they need a reset at the moment. Um, I will shout out Jeremy Marshall King scored the first try for the Bulldogs in that match, and he's had a great season going to the Dolphins next year, like rewarded with his form. And uh, yeah, well done, Jeremy. Good guy. Good guy. <laughs> Now, don't forget, you can catch every game live on Radio Australia, including the upcoming Origin Games and Pacific Tests. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa time, we are very lucky to be joined by Queensland Red Super Rugby player and 38 Test Cap Wallaby, Taniela Tupo. Taniela, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Just to kick start this interview, could you please tell our listeners where you reign from in the islands? I'm from Tonga, obviously. Uh, growing up in a little village called Bainee. Um, left Tonga when I was 14 to go to New Zealand. And um, yeah, um, left New Zealand when I was 18, straight after high school, to come here to the Reds in 2014. And um, I've been here since. Taniela, is uh, that, that journey that you've made, obviously from Tonga over to New Zealand and then into Australia, was was the purpose always for you to to find somewhere to get to where you could uh, explore rugby and, and play rugby? Uh, not really. Um, it was tough at the time um, when I when my mom got a call and she got told that I've got a scholarship to go to New Zealand. Um, I was only fourteen at the time, uh, with no English. Obviously, um, I didn't want to go because it just because I didn't know how to, you know, speak the language. And um, I remember my mom, my mom said to me, you know, if you want a better future, you have to leave Tonga. So I uh, did this thing about myself and uh, I got up and I, and I left and I went to New Zealand. It was very tough at the time. Um, I'll tell you now that I wasn't um, thinking, I never thought I'd be a rugby player because I just didn't think I was, was for me. So when I finished school, um, the red um, contacted me and said, "Look, uh, we want to sign you." And um, and I said, "Right." Uh, the reason why I wanted to sign the red because my brothers were here in Australia, and it was a way for me to, you know, uh, be together with my brothers again. So that's why I signed the red. So when we came here, and um, and I was like, "Okay, I'm here now. I don't really care. I just want to end up, you know, staying here with my brothers." And 
and things changed. They came in and started playing, and I thought I played all right and played some super rugby games. And um, and I just, yeah, I'm here. I'm in a Wallaby, Wallaby since then. Yeah, you've gone from strength to strength, uh, and it's been great to watch that progression. You mentioned a couple of times you now your brothers and, and, and also your, your mum, and uh, I guess how important is family uh, to you in your life? Uh, very important, mate. You know, uh, they're, they're everything. Uh, the reason why I do things, and um, uh, it's just because uh, the way we grew up, you know, we had, we had nothing, but we we managed to um, still be there for each other, and um, now that I've sort of uh, got something, um, I want my family to have something, and now that I'm, um, how do you say, it? I want to be able to have a family one day and be able to look after my kids and not have to go through what I went through. That's really special to hear, Taniella. Knowing where you are now, you are in Wallabies camp, you've had such a huge career to date. Did you ever think as a kid that you'd be where you are right now? No. Um, the answer said, uh, no, because honestly, I was the biggest Wallabies fan. Um, growing up in Tonga, I used to walk, you know, a few kilometres just to watch the, the Wallabies play um, you know, South Africa. I still remember James O'Connor score a winning try against South Africa. I still remember him scoring a winning try against the All Blacks um, back in the days. And I used to love Greg Cooper and Will Ganya. And again, they're one of the reasons why I went to the Reds. And uh, if you ask one of my uh, schoolmates in school in New Zealand, when the All Blacks played New Zealand, I'm I'm the only one in the school that goes, maybe one or two of us that goes to the Wallabies. But, you know, never, never ever thought that, I, that I'd be able to play for them. And um, and now I'm, you know, playing for them. I can say I'm actually living my dream. It's so crazy to hear you talk about that because the players that you grew up I guess, fanboying over the likes of the Quaid Coopers and James O'Connor, you get to play alongside them now. How yep. was that first moment that you got to represent the Wallabies? It was special, man. Um, I remember the Reds came to New Zealand um, when I was in school. Um, I, I had no money at the time. I didn't know how to speak English or whatever. So I got, a, got the bus um, and trained to the airport just to meet Morgania and, and Quaid Cooper. And then... When I got back to the hotel, I uploaded my Facebook and I sent him a message to Greg Cooper, his friend page, and be like, hey, Greg Cooper, my name is Daniel Tupo. I'm a biggest fan. Um, I'd like to, I don't know, play. I can't remember exactly what I said. I'd like to play with you one day or whatever. And then there was, I never got a response, but I, the first time I saw Greg, I showed him the, that message, I showed him the photo. I see how the photo and everything. It was just special to like go from fan going in to now playing alongside him. That's an awesome story. I love That's, that. That, that is, so, is cool. so cool. Like to, to be able to, like as you say, to to be such a fan. One, I'm so surprised that you're such a fan of the Wallabies having come from Tonga, spending time yeah, in New Zealand. Well, remember, remember uh, I told my manager at the time, because my manager signed me at a very young age, and he told me, who's your favourite player? And I said, look, Greg Cooper. There's one time I changed my Facebook name to Greg Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call catfish, Taniella. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, what do you call it? Um, I think my manager got out of the of Quaidy, and then he called me, and it was in school, but I didn't answer because I didn't know who he was. And then I got a text saying, hey, uh, I'm QP. I uh, just wanted to call and see how you are, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
And then I copy and paste what he said, put it on my Facebook, put it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, literally, now it's normal. Now I'm starting to forget about it. But, man, I used to love going to the I love hearing stories like that, like hearing that, that one that you love the game so much and that you're such a fan and that you're so grateful to get the opportunity to do that alongside the guys that you idolised. Um, yes. I guess the question, or actually you, didn't you say a couple of seasons ago that you wouldn't mind wearing the number 10 when you were in one of your Super Rugby games? That <laughs> yes, you, got the you said that last 10, season. Yeah? No, no, you know, um, I just want to give the boys a chance. Because <laughs> well, look, you do have some tests coming up against England where you might get a chance to show some of that uh, those ball skills. How are you looking forward to this uh, this test series against England? I'm very looking forward to it. Uh, they're a very good team. Uh, we haven't won against them in the last, I'd say, six to eight years. Um, I, haven't, I haven't actually got a chance to play against England yet. Um, this, I somehow missed all the games. But um, hopefully, um, fingers crossed, I get a chance to play against them there. They're playing a good bit at the moment, and um, and uh, they've got some good front rowers, and I'm always challenging myself again. There have been some new faces that have been added into this test camp, the likes of David Parecki, and you know there are a few other lads there with him. How competitive is it right now for positions um, for the first test in Perth? Very, very. You know, it's um, it's funny when um, it's not a bad thing actually. You know, when you come into camp, and obviously uh, there's five or six players in each and then you're fighting for a spot. But, like, you've been here for a little while and you're sort of, like, you know, um, there's time to compete and there's time to, like, learn. And, you know, it's, it's fun to see some of the new guys and straight into it and, like, you know, trying to compete. And but it's good, you know, it's good for us. Good for them and um, I think um, they'll be good um, good for us. Uh, Dave Barak is going to good um, awesome season. And, um, yeah, looking forward to well, looking ahead um, for that first test, how are the Wallabies perceiving the Englishmen? Do you think that they play a fast game? Is it a slow game? How do you expect to take them down? Well, we talk about it a lot. Um, England, um, they kick a lot, you know, um, and they're the best in um, kick chase. And uh, and if you watch the final in their club footy um, last week, it was like, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was 59 kicks. And that's just um, the kind of game, you know, uh, in games they'll play, they'll kick a lot and then turn um attack cuts in the air. So and we've been working really hard on that and obviously in set piece they've got like um some world class front rollers and um uh, they'll be coming hard and um in scrum and line out so that's something we're gonna be have to be careful on um I mean they took us they took us that last year and uh, we expect them to uh, do it again this year. So we're we're gonna be up for it. Yeah, it's good to hear that you're going to be up for it and uh, we, we hopefully will see some positive results for you and the boys. Uh, I've got one last question before Sarah wraps things up. Uh, what's some advice that you have for young athletes and perhaps some young athletes out in the islands that maybe want to follow the same path that you've gone? Um, um, it's funny because I got interviewed yesterday and um, they asked me the same question, similar question. What I said was, if Tony people can do it, you definitely can do it. Um, you know, I, I, from 14 years old to 18, that four years was a really tough few, you know, few years for me. You know, it wasn't easy trying to learn the language, uh, the homesick. Remember, at the time, I was only 14. And uh, you go through all that, um, not knowing that I was going to be in this position right now. But I am here right now, and now. Uh, I was just an, I was just one of the normal kids in Tonga or in like and I could be anyone. 
you know, if I'm, my advice for any kid out there, if you, if you want to do it, you can do it. You know, you tell your mind and your body um, and you'll be able to achieve it. And if, man, if a pet, stubby kid from Tonga can do it, you can do it. That is incredible advice. And Taniel, it's been so humbling for Dean and I to be able to hear your story of where it started and where you are now. You've grown to be a household name. Rugby fans all over the world froth over the Tongan Thor. And it's um it's been so special to be able to touch base with you ahead of the English test. Before we let you go, we'd love to run a segment with our guest called Tip On. It's basically 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. And if you're keen, we'd love to have a crack at it with you. Oh, yeah, no worries. Okay. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Listening to. Um, reading. Oh, what is it? Did I skip that one? Yeah. Who is your most annoying teammate? Most Angus Bell from the Waratahs. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. Who is your sporting hero? White Cooper. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Um, oh, it would be some Tom and Tom. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favourite movie as a kid? Uh, Remember the Titan. Who in your team is always on their phone? Samuel Karevi. I believe that. What's yep. something you could eat for a month straight? Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky you're a Cadbury ambassador. Favourite place you've travelled to? Uh, Scotland. Which teammate has the best fashion sense? Best fashion. Oh, not many of them. I'll say, um, oh, great Cooper. QC, QC. Oh, and the last question is, who is your favourite Wallaroo? <laughs> I'd have to say you now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding. I was just testing your knowledge, just testing your knowledge. <laughs> Taniela, thank you so much for joining Dean and I on Can You Be More Pacific? Again, we wish you all the best with the upcoming campaigns and um, keep doing your thing. You're bloody changing lives at the same time. No, thank you very much, guys. Really do appreciate it. And thanks for having me on the show. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for our segment, You Can Ask That, we have a question from Colin, who is based in Suva. And Dean, the question is, how would you rate the Dolphins' recruitment so far? So for any new listeners who aren't aware who the Dolphins are, maybe open up with a bit of that. Yeah, the Dolphins won the 17th license into the NRL for the season 2023, which is big news. And they come from Redcliffe area, but they're not called the Redcliffe Dolphins. They're just called the Dolphins. So it's just a, a mascot name is the name of the team. But anyway, huge rugby league following in Brisbane, as we know. So they're the second Brisbane team, essentially. And yeah, they're, they're entering next year and they've got the master coach in Wayne Bennett at the helm. So it's fairly positive for the area. Great to have someone like Wayne Bennett on board, but the challenge is always going to be the redistribution of talent across the game into another team. So that's um, become a bit of a question for for some league experts over the last week is how are the, the Dolphins going? So it's a decent question from Colin. Yes, it is. So if my numbers are correct, there are about 20 players who have already signed for 2023. But the issue is some believe they don't have 
some key marquee players to be able to allow the Dolphins to be as competitive as all the other NRL teams. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're still trying to land land that big fish. No, no pun for the Dolphins. They're trying to get someone in <laughs> that's, that's good from you. <laughs> they're trying to get someone that's going to be really a franchise player that they can build uh, their team around and, and like a superstar, Cameron Munster, someone that, that's been talked about a lot, Stephen Crichton as well. So two guys that are, you know, really, really good players, uh, stars in their positions and representative level players as well. Uh, but those guys are both contracted for next season with their respective clubs. Now, the early signings were Felice Kafusi from the, the Storm, Jesse Bromwich from the Storm, and Kenny Bromwich, his brother, which for me, a really good base to start things off. Three of the starting six from the Storm. Storm are super competitive every year. They've got great culture, and, and no doubt that's something that Wayne Bennett looked at in his in opening up. And um, Peter Sullivan, Peter O'Sullivan, who's their recruitment manager, that's something that they would have looked at when they were signing players. Is where do we we want to start with a really good culture? Let's bring some guys in that have high standards that that come from successful teams and they can bring that culture and that's a pretty good way to start but it's kind of I wouldn't say slowed when they've got 20 players they've got players but November's quickly approaching when teams have to be back training and they still haven't completed their roster yet. So in your opinion I think you'd have more of a valid take on this than myself how complete do you believe this roster is? Um, uh, I think it's probably like I know by the numbers it's two-thirds of the way there but really you want to get a, like some strong halves like that's that's what you want to bank on having really good halves that can direct your team around the park because if if you don't have that, you can have really good pack, you can have really good outside backs, but you need that guidance around team structure. You need you need your like your coaches on the field. So your coach will do all the work during the week, but you need those guys out in the field that can direct the team around the park because you've seen with the way the competition is played at the moment, the teams that have got really good halves, good directing halves are the ones that are having really good success. Like a good example is Chad Townsend, right? Yep. He signs to go up to North Queensland. Big money. A lot of people criticise and say he's passed his best. He won a premiership back in 2016 with the Sharks. But Chad's a guy that really professional, still got really good footy in him, and he can direct a team around the park really well, got good kicking game. And he's doing that job for the for the Cowboys at the moment who have got really good forwards, really good outside, like talented outside backs. They bring a guy like him in along with Tom Dearden from who came from the Broncos and those two are doing a good job at just guiding and steering that talent that's around them around the park. Um, so that's where I think the Dolphins need to get to. I know they've got a young guy that's, that's signed. Actually, it's uh, I think it's Sam Wikes' uh, cousin I'm going to say maybe his nephew okay Isaiah Katoa who's actually yes that is his nephew his nephew yeah so Isaiah's got a um a jersey with the, the Tongan team this weekend and uh he's signed up with the Dolphins so that's probably the start in terms of a, a developing half um but I'm trying to find who else there is in that squad that's going to guide them Jeremy Marshall King at hooker that's that's not a bad pickup because as I said earlier he's having a great season I think everyone is just waiting for that, uh, dare I say, that X-factor player to be named yeah, within right. the Dolphins side. And there is some fair conversations. A lot of people thought that having Wayne Bennett there will immediately draw in players um, of that calibre, but it is still building Brooks. Worrying because November really is just around the corner, um, but only time will tell how they will fare throughout the 23 season. I'll give them a pass at the moment. A pass. To, okay, good. That's what I was looking for. Answer, essentially a rating. To answer Colin's question, and uh, I think they're gonna, we're going to see like a lot happen over the next two months. Okay. So if you have any questions, please feel free to slide in our DMs on Instagram. My handle is at Serenangama and you can find Dean at Dean Hallitow. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh my God. Woo!
You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials and we tackle the tough headlines in the run. Time for a bit of a change of pace. We actually head into Fiji Bhatti camp to catch up with their skipper and uh, a close friend of the show, Kevin Nangama. Kevin, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, Hullers and Sarah. And Sarah. <laughs> and Sarah. <laughs> Firstly, uh, how good is it to be back in camp with the Bhatti? It's been a little while since uh, you've played together or you've been together as a group. Um, can you tell us what it's like to be back in camp? Yeah, it's been great. As you touched on, been a couple of years since we've had um, test match footage just in regards to COVID, but it's been good to to get back together into camp and um, see our fellow countrymen um, just to play the Pacific test. And uh, it's been a while, like you said, but just so happy to to be given this honour and privilege uh, to represent our country. And just really think when you get um, to the back end of your career, you really enjoy these moments a lot more. You try and be present um, and they're just a a whole lot more sweeter. Kevin, looking at the squad list, there are some new names and you've been part of the Batifold for several years now, several campaigns. What is it like to be able to witness the new players coming through the system? Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, there's a lot of nervous boys making their test debut, but I guess we just try and come around them as more experienced players and uh, just help them, um, give them confidence, nurture them and, um, and also just make it an enjoyable experience and week for them. You know, ultimately they've been chosen for a reason and they definitely deserve to be here. So um, all we want to do is just come beside them and just help help them in um, getting the confidence they need to, to perform to their best on, on Saturday night. Yeah, well said. On the note of preparation, you're only in camp for a week before you have to turn it around and play a test match. What has prep been like in camp and what's the focus, particularly with such a, turn, a short turnaround period in the lead up to the game? Yeah, so with a short turnaround, there's uh, like a short week. I mean, there's not much you can do. We really got get three training sessions um, and yesterday was our probably our big day. We got, a, got to do a pose session against St. Mary's Rugby League team, which was good. Um, definitely helped us in prepping for this game and uh, in, in weeks like this, probably less is more. Um, that's what we've been saying and just trying to keep it simple. We don't want to try and invent too much, uh, especially when you only get given a, a limited amount of time to prepare for a game. So just trying to keep it simple Um as you touched on earlier, Sarah, devotion is a big part of, I think, what brings us closer in such a short period of time, which has been pretty special. And, um, yeah, ultimately, we just want to nail our roles. We've got captains around tomorrow, day off today, and just get more clarity in how we want to play going into Saturday night. Kevin, what are you expecting from uh, the Kumuls? You played against them back in 2018 in the, the corresponding fixture. I think they, they beat you, uh, it was a 26 26 to 14 was the score. It yes. was massive. It was like 17,000 people there. Really huge um, turnout from the community. Uh, what are you expecting from them this week? Oh, it's always a tough game, Hollis. Um I've never come out of that game and not felt like I've been bashed by 20 people. Um, <laughs> built, they're built so hard, man. They, and they only know one way. They, they're tough, they're physical, and they, they just know straight through you and um, – that's what we're preparing for. We know it's going to be a tough physical match against these guys and, and no easy beat in that. So we're just prepping for a tough physical battle, especially up the middle and um, just trying to sustain that for 80 minutes. Heading in to game day on Saturday, what does your preparation look like? Does it look any different from when you'd be preparing for a club game? 
No, it doesn't look any different. It's still the same. Um, as you slowly get closer to the game, um, what you want to do is just making sure you're, you're getting all your work done in the training sessions. Um, as preparation, uh, nothing changes for me. It's it's still the same. Um, we got our day off today, so generally what I like doing is trying to get away from rugby league. So I actually drove um, back home. So I'm at home this morning. I got to, I'm just spending some time with my daughter, drop her off at daycare, um, and then spend some time with my wife, and I'll go back into camp later tonight. Oh, good to hear on, on daddy duties this morning. Love that. that quality time. Now, you, you've been named at six this weekend uh, to play five eighth. You haven't. Um, Played there regularly. I can't remember you playing there that much. What are you? Uh, <laughs> what's the plan for the game, Kev? How's your, how's your kicking skills going? Yeah, I've been practicing on that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to do much kicking, but um, yeah, just I think it's just with the limited um, players we had available for this week. Um, you know, there's there's not much to choose from. So, uh, oh, don't play yourself down. down like that, Mister <laughs> Fix It, Mister Fix It. <laughs> We're very slim for choices, and um, I've, I've been the last choice. So <laughs> now, generally, I just want to help the boys. Um, you know, I, I can't really do too much at five eight, but um, I just want to sort of control the middle um, and uh, like the get to our kicks. I think it's really important completing our sets. And um, I don't think you see much ball playing from me, to be honest. <laughs> more of a runner, but now all I want to do is just try and help lead the team best way possible I can in, in fulfilling that position. Kevin, I do have to admit, when I saw the team list and saw your name next to six, I did message um, our brother, Wes. So for any of our listeners, Kevin is actually my big brother. I messaged Wes and I said, hey, Kevin's at six. Did they get the numbers mixed around or something? Should he have like a five next to his name? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I saw that. I'll have to talk to him about it. But, um, you know, knowing that you are playing out of position, does that deflect your confidence at all? Or you are confident that regardless of what happens on Saturday, um, you'll be able to get it done? No, it's actually a challenge. You know, I, I actually thrive. It's one of the reasons why I play the sport. I like being challenged and um, it presents a new challenge for myself in learning a new role. And, and for me, I just want to, um, I take that with both hands and I, I really want to test myself. Um, it's a new position and, as I said, a new challenge. So I'm actually excited at um, the weekend ahead and, and also excited to see how I go. Um, definitely training hard and trying to be the best number six I can be for my team and for my country. I love that, Kevin. I know that you will do your absolute best when you get out there. Before we wrap this up, we love to run a light segment with our guest called Tip On. It's basically 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. And if you're keen, we'd love to play with you. Let's go. Over to you, Hullers. All right. The clock is on. What have you been reading, watching or listening to lately? I've been listening to a podcast, um, Inky Johnson. Nice. Uh, who was uh, sorry? Who was your most annoying teammate? Most annoying teammate, Josh Eli. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your wrestler entrance song? Wrestler entrance song, uh, Fifty Cent. This is how we do it. Oh, nice. Who in your team, in your test team, is always on their phone? Vilhami uh, Kika. Okay, social man. Uh, favorite place you've travelled to? Uh, Maldives. Which teammate has the worst fashion sense? William um, Kikau. <laughs> do you have a hidden talent? I know you do. Uh, play the keyboard. Who would play you in a movie of your life? Denzel. Ooh. Sechi. <laughs> a scale of one to ten, ten being the best. How good are you at keeping secrets? 
Uh, let's say five. Five? Is, I, that, is that accurate, I Sarah? agree. Kevin has loose lips. <laughs> Can't keep a secret. He's too honest. That's why. No, something will happen. And then my cousins from Melbourne will call me the next day. I'm like, how'd you find out? Like, Kevin. <laughs> like, Kevin, you big mouth. Keep things to yourself. Yeah, to all the listeners, don't tell me your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kevin, it has been so great to catch up with you. We're really grateful for your time. And um, on behalf of us here at Can You Be More Pacific, we wish you and the Fiji Bati Squad all the best for your tests this week against the Kumuls. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. You're... Uh, guest co-host or your guest replacement person, Kennedy. Yes. I don't know if that's, a, that's the wrong guest title. Guest anyway, replacement host. She was hammering me about my social inability, which is something that you've done in the past. So hopefully I've improved. But first we'll get to your one. Okay. I'm really keen to hear what you have to <laughs> say because you've really built up yeah, this yeah, image. Yeah. Uh, my social this week comes from Rugbycom AU. As we know, the Crusaders took on the Blues in the Super Rugby Pacific final. And Scott Robertson, the Crusaders coach, who has kind of made – he's made a habit yeah. of forming a circle – and doing a bit of a dance routine. And this year, he came through again with the goods. He's a bit of a break dancer. He does the, the windmill. into, or He bounces around, claps his hand, does the windmill, then he goes into a worm. He's pretty talented. He is very talented. And I just love it because you can see the players around him getting so excited and just kind of egging him on. So it's a confidence thing. Yeah. And he has it in spades. I, we're just talking to um, Sam Wikes on that Pacific Sports Show the other week, and he said that Scott Robinson is a guy that – We'll sit up the back of the bus, thinks he's pretty like forward, like he's a progressive guy. So he dresses like the, the young boys and like likes to be a part of like the, the younger group of rugby guys. I so, that. And, and obviously this is a part of it too, getting around and having a bit of a dance. And I'm sure he likes a bit of an ink tray with the boys too. So uh, <laughs> no, he definitely, he, he topped it for me this week. Yeah. Well done, Scott. It's great to see. Now I went over to back to rugby league and I mentioned the result earlier in the the show about the Cowboys beating the Seagulls at Brookvale and Val Holmes' last try. That happened on an 85-meter breakaway, as Brett, Brett Sprigg called it. Back up the other end of the field was uh, Chad Downs in the half of the, the Cowboys, and he was mic'd up for Fox League. And, yeah, my, my piece comes from the NRL roast. They reposted a snippet of that, and that's him chasing um, up the other end of the field to, <laughs> to catch up to Val and celebrate the try. And this is what it sounds like. Love it. That is pure, unfiltered emotion. It was very, it was very excitable, wasn't he? And uh, pretty big moment for the Cowboys. That that last seven minutes where they ran in three tries to to get the victory, and great to have Chad mocked up for him screaming the whole way down the field. <laughs> That'll definitely make one of our best moments this season. In the ruck, tackling the tough headlines in sport. On can you be more Pacific? Time to tackle some tough headlines in the ruck. We'll start with rugby, your world, rugby. Yes, my world, rugby. The Fijiana 15 squad has released their team list and 18 new players have been added into the 28-woman squad. This is huge because there are a number of players um, within it, like Jade Coates, who played for uh, Fijiana Drua in the Super W competition and will be inserted into this team. So they do bring some uh, international experience with them, which will put them in good stead. And on the note of that, the Oceana tournament, sevens tournament, I should say, is taking place in Auckland where Fiji have placed two teams 
into the competition. So to me, that says one thing. Rugby, in terms of participation, is rock solid and it is really bloody booming. We know how popular rugby is in Fiji, but the success the Fijiana team had in the Super W, the success at the Olympics. Still too soon. Still too sorry, soon. Sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. But it's great to see the health of rugby, uh, particularly for women's rugby in Fiji. Yes, it's a tale that we haven't heard. And I think it also speaks to, you know, something on, on, the, on the social side of things is that, you know, women are predominantly known within Pacifica households to be the ones to hold down the house. But that narrative is changing. And I really take my hat off um, to Fiji Rugby Union and what they're doing to, to mobilise, I guess, the excitement um, around the game of rugby. And, you know, there are huge campaigns, particularly the 15s Rugby World Cup. And no doubt we'll see some of those sevens girls seep into that side. That's awesome news. Now, staying with Fiji theme and Suliasi Vanuvalu, who uh, began his first year in rugby with the Reds last year, he's re-signed with both the Reds and Rugby Australia. Yeah, this is huge news. He is an incredible finisher out um, on the wings for the Queensland Reds, and he is currently with the Wallabies in their test camp right now. So for him to be able to re-sign for the next couple of years is, is awesome. He's re-signed until the end of next year, and he did take to the socials and said he feels like he has unfinished business. Um, and while there have been, I guess, some attractive deals coming from elsewhere. He feels like it's too soon to leave rugby union. And I think the fact that he's in the the Wallabies fold is enough excitement and he does have a goal of being able to participate in the World Cup. So hopefully through a good season this year and next, it'll solidify his future and um, bring those aspirations to life. Good luck to Sully with that. Now the NRL, uh, some some sad news actually on the weekend and uh, the Silk Tales, uh, their manager, Jackie Shannon, who um, suddenly passed away across the weekend has, has rocked uh, the team and uh, very sad news, Sarah. Yeah, it really is sad news. Jackie Shannon is such an instrumental part of the Cavite Silk Tales. She is their manager and the Silk Tales have been part of Ron Massey Cup for the past two seasons. So her involvement to be able to see this dream that was on paper um, come to life and be able to host plays here in Australia, like you just cannot undermine um, her contribution. And um, it really has rocked the team. I've heard firsthand from their head coach, Wes Nangama, just how much it's rocked the boys because a lot of them are living away from home. So Jackie really has created this really strong sense of belonging and home and she is well respected um, within the Fijian community here in Australia and also abroad and um, our condolences to her family. Yeah indeed that's well said Sarah. Now this weekend we've mentioned a couple of times is representative weekend and uh, the last match of the weekend is state of origin number two the Queensland team took out game number one in a pretty close match but uh, New South Wales have got it all up against them over in Perth. What do you make of the teams that have come out? They're solid teams. Both look really strong on paper, but are you asking me to tip? Yeah, tip. Give me okay, a tip. I'll give you a tip. New South Wales. New South Wales. Because you know what? We, we don't stay down for too long. I need to bounce back. Yes. Nathan Cleary took a quite personal game one and the man is ready to turn it around. I'm going to, I want New South Wales to win, but I'm actually going to tip Queensland. To Who are you? Out. I'm just tipping with my head. Tipping with your head, not your heart? Not my heart, no. Mm. It's a so. recipe for disaster. <laughs> <laughs> The Women's Origin takes place on Friday night, which is down in Canberra. Uh, it should be a cracking match. It's going to be cold down there, but we know over the past few seasons, it's been very to and fro between these two teams. Uh, really, really solid lineups. Emma Tonegado for New South Wales and Tamika Upton for Queensland. It's uh, some pretty formidable fullbacks to start off their, their rosters. Yeah, they have a really strong starting 13 for both sides. It's so interesting to see because 
it's essentially all of the superstars from NRLW going head to head. So I feel like the game is totally in the balance. There's not one team that's stronger than the other. But I have to say, looking at New South Wales side, I just feel like they can get it done this year. I'm with you. I think their side is stacked. I think their number seven, Rachel Pearson from the um, Dragons. Should be huge for them. She's a gun. Great kicking game. I think she's going to kick them around the park really well. Um, surprising omission. Corbin Baxter's not in the starting side. So, um, yeah, I, I was surprised by that. Kira did I get the sixth jersey. Yes. Um, but still, I think that's a, it's an impressive side and I think they're going to go well. It's crazy to think how much depth is within the New South Wales side. You're missing people like Kennedy Charrington, um, who brings so much power in the middle. So the fact that she'll be missing this series um, is sad. But if you have someone like Courtney Baxter on your bench, I think you're in good stead. You are. Now, Kennedy's uh, younger sister, Ruben, who has signed with the Eels for NRLW 2022, she's taken part in the New South Wales under-19s match uh, tonight, actually. So... Um, we wish her all the best in the Blues and the 19s. The Pacific Tests are on Saturday and it kicks off over in New Zealand with the Kiwi Ferns taking on Matamata Tonga. And uh, this should be a great start to a Saturday full of rugby league. Who have you got? I am so excited for this picture. The fact that the Kiwi Ferns will be taking on Tonga in Auckland as part of a doubleheader is going to be huge. My heart lies with Tonga. I think they're going to do it. I've seen a lot of promos that they've been doing over in NZ and the Tongan community is crazy. So I think knowing that they're playing for that and also remembering um, all the devastation that Tonga faced early in the year, I think they'll have something much bigger than themselves to play for. Yes, I think it's going to be a, a sea of red uh, over at Mount Smart Stadium. MMT. MMT are going to be out in force, but I'm tipping the Kerry Ferns. I think they've got too much experience. They'll get the job done in that first one. The second match of the day is the New Zealand Kiwis taking on uh, Matama Atonga, the men's side. Um, really, really impressive lineups from both teams. Uh, I've got to say the New Zealand halves combination looks pretty pretty uh, deadly. Who are, the, who are their halves? So Dylan Brown and Jerome Hughes. Oh, God. Oh, that's hard to compete with. Very, very hard to compete with. But the question is, who do you have? I'm going for the Kiwis, of course. Okay, but well, I'm going to go for Tonga. You go for Tonga? I'm going to go for Tonga. Okay. The next one that we're going to see at Campbelltown Stadium on Saturday night, Samoa versus the Cook Islands. This is going to be the start of Pacific Tests here in Sydney. And I've got Samoa. They've got a stack side as well. They really do. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think Samoa's going to get the job done. The experience. Come put, come put a price on it. Shout out to Farmani Brown, who makes his return to Test football after a few years out. So he come back into the NRL this year after two, three seasons away, uh, away and mm. he also gets a, a start in the national team for Samoa. So that's a, a huge achievement. Now, the last one to headline the Saturday night fixtures is Papua New Guinea up against Fiji. Fiji. I feel torn. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> what I should say is I feel biased. <laughs> um, I'm definitely backing Fiji here. I know that they do have a very different squad to what they've had. They're missing some big names, the likes of the Safidi brothers, Wanga Blake, etc. But it does provide an opportunity for some younger lads to step up. And um, with Kevin in the number six jersey, all I have to say is anything is possible. <laughs> well, out of fear of getting shoulder charged by yourself, Sarah, I'm going to tip Fiji as well. <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah, I, I want to see them go well. I want to see Kevin go well at number six. I think they've got a, a pretty solid forward pack. William Kikau, I think, is vice captain for the match. So he'll step up in that leadership role and lead the, lead the middles around the park well. Some interesting tips and uh, be interesting to see what comes of it. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital Radio? 
That's all we have time for. So if you miss the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. BHG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want more sport, you can check out That Pacific Sports Show on Wednesday night or catch up on ABC Australia iView. It's all here. Bye there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.